Hi, Wine Delusters. In this episode, I'm speaking with three restaurant managers from some of the top venues in Canberra. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. My name's Janine. In this season, I'm speaking to a dozen very impressive women that work in the wine and broader hospitality and tourism industry. Each episode will focus on one particular job and we'll learn what skills you need best parts of the work and the most challenging parts. So pour yourself a glass and let's get started. In this episode, I speak with three women at the top of their game in the hospitality industry. They are a testament that you can make a very fulfilling career working in a restaurant or bar. Mim is the floor manager at Bar Roachford, a one-hatted bar located in the beautiful Heritage Building in the middle of Canberra. Holly is the manager at Pilot. This is an intimate two-hatted restaurant with a strong focus on local produce. Caitlin is the founder of Venus Vinifera, which provides education and mentorship to young women in the hospitality industry in the region. She was the manager of the iconic Canberra restaurant Aubergine until it closed last year. She's now the manager of a brand new venue, Such and Such. We recorded this late last year and such and such has since opened to rave reviews. You'll also hear Caitlin mention Dash Rumble. Dash is the innovative co-owner of Pilot and such and such. This is a great behind the scenes chat. I really enjoyed hearing how different all the venues are, but also how the work is different in bars to restaurants and hotels, even though it's all under the same umbrella of the hospitality industry. Welcome Mim, Holly and Caitlin. Today I'm joined by Caitlin Baker, Holly Ingram and Mim Azamea, three very impressive women who are at the top of their games working for top prestigious restaurants around the Canberra region. Can you each introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your current role and, and where you're working at? I'm Caitlin. So you finished as manager of Aubergine recently yep. and you've just got a new role at such and such. Yeah. So you're in the preparation stage of getting that up and running at the yeah, moment? Yeah, for sure. It's more of like a casual modern day eatery, very different to what Aubergine uh, was, just in the prep stages. And so what does that mean in the prep stages? So you're um, getting a team together yeah, and the restaurant's sure. getting fitted out? Yeah, so it's a build from scratch, so they literally had an empty space. But my job at the moment is more just like hiring staff, setting up pod systems, reservation systems finding things like uniforms and trays and stuff like that that you don't really think about when you start managing a venue that already exists but when you're building one from scratch you have to think about so the because I do know that when you do go to some restaurants and you have see beautiful plates and things mm. you're like wow where'd they get that so is that that's sort of the stuff that you're looking at at the moment is all the the, the stuff that people are going to be eating off the dinnerware and... yeah for sure so I'm sort of working quite closely with Dash and Mal too they obviously make a lot of the executive choices but then I have to do the hard work actually finding things and ordering them. <laughs> and do you put any input into the wine lists and things like that? Not or? for this venue no yeah um, we have an awesome sommelier James who's doing the pilot program as well so yeah he's all over it. Excellent so this is um, you're learning some new stuff with this or is this all stuff that you've done um, before? I was on the opening team for pilot in the same role so um, I've sort of done some of it before I think I have a bit more hands in now than I did previously. I was quite young when Pilot opened, like in terms of my career. Um, so yeah, it's kind of learning some stuff, but some of it's like, oh yeah, I forgot how bad this is to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's cool. And Mim? Yeah, um, so I work at Bar Rockford. Um, I'm the restaurant manager and I'm sort of taking over a more wine-focused role at the moment. Um, I don't think we, I don't, doesn't really have a title yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do a lot of what Caitlin was talking about, less roster, but more about the ordering and the, and the sort of boring behind the scenes things. Um, so what do they include? I said most of my day is taken up with things like stock take, restocking, putting things away. We have very minimal storage and you have to be very good at Tetris. And just, yeah, a lot of that sort of stuff. And a lot of, a lot of cleaning as well, really. Making sure everything looks nice and, you know, all the candles are pretty. And... <laughs> but they're the things that when you go into a restaurant you notice, isn't yeah. it? And I think it's mm. always the small things that people don't notice, but then when it's not there, yeah. it can become a big thing. Like, Absolutely. where's my glass of water on my table? Where's the nice, or this table's not clean or something. Mm-hmm. Like, they're small things, but can really turn into a big thing if they're not done properly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, like, there are some things that I do day-to-day that aren't, if you look at them objectively, wouldn't be necessarily that important, but I think it's really, really important to keep things consistent through the week and, like, through the days. And so we always have X tables set, even though, you know, we've only got bookings for three of them then it's still nice to have all of them set because it's just consistent through the week. Things like that, that just, when someone else comes in, if my day off today, for example, someone else can go in and, and then it's going to be the same no matter what happens. And Holly? Yeah, so I am, people just call my boss, but I'm the <laughs> <laughs> manager of Pilot Restaurant in Ainsley. I took over a bit after Caitlin had already left for Edinburgh there. So I've been in that role for two years And my job is a bit more of like a trainings manager sort of thing and a checks and balances kind of person. I'm a bit more of a, I'll delegate almost all roles out in every job and I just do all the checks and balances and and then chase up people when things don't go wrong. Right, and provide any extra training when those things do go wrong and fix up things. But yeah, that's really it. So did all of you start in hospitality like as wait staff? Mm. Yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, I started in cocktail bars, so I was making cocktails for most of my career, about, I guess be almost 10 years now, doing that role. I sort of only came into restaurants about two years ago, sort of onto that side of things, really just wanting to not work until 5am anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and like, the, um, we talk about cleaning in restaurants, but there's a lot oh, more yeah. cleaning on the cocktail yeah. side of things. Absolutely. There's a lot more hygiene procedures. It's just really, really involved. Um, but having done that for so long, it was always, always, always hanging out with sommeliers, a lot of female sommeliers as well. Right. And they were just like, well... Why do you want to keep shaking drinks and like you know staying up late when you could just like come and just have chats on the floor with us? Yeah, um, yeah they're like just like, chat to other people, have drink wine. It's fine. It's a great yeah. job. Yeah, <laughs> and then you realise it's actually really a stock take job, but <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is just a stock take job. So yeah, that was really it. So when you all started, had you had training like any formal training, or did you just do on the job training? Mm. I just did on the job. I started in cafes yeah. as a waiter, um, and I like got really into coffee, which I feel like everybody does yeah. when they work in cafes. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but that sort of led me into wine. But um, I've never really done like any formal training in terms of like 
being a waiter or a manager. I've done like my WSETs, but well, up to level three, but yeah. And that's um, very impressive. Congratulations, because I've done two and I'm a bit daunted by three. So. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty full on. It is a job to yeah. do three. Because yeah. I did three during the lockdown. I'm sort of in a, in a unique space and my dad was a sommelier. So I grew up with wine and learnt about it some in a more formal style and a lot of it very informally but mostly from him and then sort of transitioned in through parts of different jobs that I've had. I have done my job set only my level two um, so that's probably my only formal training um, but yeah lo- lots of books and just any time there'd be a bottle of wine and they told about it. I'd be like seven, like, okay. okay. <laughs> but you so. didn't do, um, like, a hospitality course through no. TAFE or anything no. like that? No. No. Same with you, Holly? Yeah. No, like, no, just here. On the required, like, yeah. 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 food safeties and, yeah, yeah. RSAs and stuff. Only the required through mm. training organisations, but that's about it. Yeah. I don't know how, like, just as an, an opinion, like, I don't know how relevant those courses are necessarily to the jobs that we do. Yeah. Like, um, we're not working in hotels or, like, in massive companies where yeah. they kind of expect you to have that formal training. Um, but, yeah, the way that we work mm. is you learn on the job and you mm. learn by actually doing stuff as mm. opposed to sitting down and writing about it. Yeah, and I think because so many roles are so varied across the industry even from restaurant to restaurant let alone like bar to cafe for example the it's only you you kind of do just have to learn on the job because everyone's processes are different and so you may have one way that you'll sequence your service for in one place but then it's completely different somewhere else and then different cleaning spaces I mean different cleaning programs for different spaces would be on a huge spectrum and so um yeah I think a lot of the time venues wouldn't look at something like a hospitality course because like well we're just gonna have to tell you how to do it anyway so yeah so as managers now what do you look for in staff that you're recruiting or that you're hiring like especially you Caitlin you're in that right (laughs) at the second yeah um a big thing for me is attitude like Mm. the skills can be taught right but if you have a bad attitude, like, what's the point kind of thing. I also, yeah, look for people who are passionate about the industry, especially for those, like, full-time or part-time roles. Like, you kind of need to have people that want to be there, interested in what you're doing. They believe in, like, the mission of the business. Otherwise, like, they're not going to perform to the level that you need them to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say attitude. But I I had this conversation in the space where we were hiring people and we were talking about, you know, this person versus this person and all the rest of it, you're making those decisions. And I've always maintained that I would much rather work with someone who is younger and a bit too keen and really on the ball and a bit, like, a bit much versus someone who is maybe a bit older or or just a bit jaded and just thinks that their way of doing things is better. I'd always Mm. want to work with someone who's open. Because, again, like, because things are so different across different venues and different patronage and different Mm. systems and, like, even down to your pods that you use, much rather work with someone who doesn't know anything but is really excited and keen to learn than someone who's been in the industry a long time but is really stuck in their ways. So I think, yeah, being very open and wanting to learn things no matter how you know you may have been in a three hat restaurant or a you know whatever but there's still things that are 
you can learn. Yeah. So yeah. it's mm. a big one. It's the thing in team building specifically. Mm. Like you really want a few of these younger, more refreshing. They give the energy. But yeah, I know that's where I sort of look at it. I want to build a team. Of course, I need key people. Like mm. uh, so, James, who Caitlin spoke about earlier, is on my team at the moment. But yeah, so I sort of I need those. But then I need also for him to get excited about showing different wines and changing it all the time. I need someone young like Amara, and then I need sort of like a bartender who just really, really looks at spirits and just think, I just need to focus on this and this is all I'm going to care about because I've got so many people are focused on the wines and they're like, oh, well, spirits, like that's a lot to put mm. my head, wrap my head around now. So it's kind of, mm. it's a bit of team building. I'm sort of looking at different sure. players and putting them all in. And you were talking before, Holly, about the training. So, yeah. and um, I guess this would be across all three of your um, venues, the menus would change and things. So would you do a lot of in-house training on... Um, teaching the staff about menu changes and the wine changes or mm. things like that or yeah the way pilot is set up it's kind of an the menu will, could be different you know one week to another you know even like your sittings to another we could just have oh, moment, just right yeah a dish change it's based on seasonality and mm. it's really hyper seasonal at the moment with all the floods yes. and stuff like that so it's really kind of Everyone's going to be really aware of what the food they're doing and sort of have an idea of how they're going to explain food and how they address people when they're explaining food so that the guest understands what they're eating as well because there is no menu at Pilot until the end. So we've got to really be on the ball with that. So that's really important. But the other thing is that our wine list, due to storage, our wine list will also change maybe three times a week. Wow. So yeah. they've got to be on there. And that is tasting every single day. And that's having the team together for a briefing. And that's having lunch together at 4 p.m. where I can sort of word everyone up and tell them, oh, you know, this has changed. You know, see this pork that you're eating. Expect maybe a pork dish towards the end of the week. You know, we're all working on a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have a wine list that's like 200, maybe 200 bit, bit more bottles. And we, on any given day, maybe up 15 wines by the glass. We have, like, no storage, and, yeah, it changes so often. My role, I have to... I'm, I'm trying to collate a wine notes um, book, essentially. The last one I completed was 10,000 words. Oh, wow. Um, this one's, like... And it's just... It's one of those things that you want to have all that information ready for people, but it, it changes so quickly. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so it's a lot of it's got to be... <laughs> sort of self-taught and unless you're around to taste the wine and be active in learning about those things like you just never learn them unless you mm. you've got to got to be there and try the wines that are on special on the specials board or be there and, and and look at the food that's coming up on the pass and and you've got to be really on top of just keeping an eye on what's different and what's changing but I, I think generally well, I speak for myself and yeah. I'm sure these two as well I'm always happy to like if a new staff member comes up and I have no idea what Chianti is, for example. Yeah. I'm always happy to go through that. But it's, you've got to be ready to keep taking because it doesn't end there. Yes. It just here there's more and more and more yes. information. Do you get people asking a lot about the wine lists and, and recommendations? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. 100%. I think that's yeah. Yeah. prevalent in all We, we yeah. get asked, not... Not too often, but often enough for it to make me think of it. We do get asked if we have a matched wines mm. list, like a pairing, for particularly because we've got a set menu option. 
for us it doesn't really make much sense because we're still trying to lean into being a lot more casual and we're still bar first because I think yeah. people um the matched thing takes the pressure off people making decisions yeah, sometimes absolutely. but um do you get with the people asking questions do you find is it similar questions all the time or is it people just throwing random stuff at you? <laughs> I think like at Aubergine we had a list of like 550 wow. bottles mm. and like there was questions where you would literally be like um, I mean, we were really fortunate to um, have Lucas, who was the sommelier there, who literally knew everything. So as soon as you were in that moment, like, I mean, about that list anyway, as soon as you're in that moment where you're like, I have no idea what this wine from Lebanon is going to taste like. I'm sorry, it's from like 2011 and I've never tasted it. Um, he would just be like the perfect person to be like, I'll send Lucas over and he'll explain it all to you. Yeah. One of those very fortunate people with the sponge memory. Yeah, that would have been a great wine to try, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do find a lot of the same questions come up a lot. It is, but I'd say they're, ge- they're general questions that it, they're not necessarily about our wine list. They're just more about, you know, like if we, so if we don't have a Pinot Noir on by the glass, for example, we might have something very similar, but it's not a Pinot Noir exclusively. That tends to be a question that comes mm. up, like what's kind of Pinot Noir, something like Pinot Noir, mm. or you know, what's the driest white, or things like that. People, I'm seeing a shift when I first started. I would have no idea how to talk to customers because wine talk, wine speak is so specific and like it's a bit, it's a bit wanky. Yeah. And but also to translate that to Someone who doesn't know what they're asking for. It's very difficult to find that middle ground and find actually find out what someone wants because that's really all we want at yeah. the end of the day is someone to have something they enjoy and have a really good time. But if you can't meet in the middle, understanding what that person wants and what you want to give them. Whereas now I'm finding people really know the words that they want to use to describe the thing that they're trying to find. And so it's, it's awesome. I think it's great because I'm like, yes, I actually... I know exactly what you want and I can get it for you, even though it's not the exact thing that you've said, but I've got something mm. that's going to be close enough and I know you're going to like it. What do you think is the best part of working in hospitality? One. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bit cliche, but absolutely the people. Like, it's always, always the people. Every job I've ever had, I've, I'd say I've loved more because of the people I'm working with. I mean, customers as well, you get some amazing people that you get to serve and talk to and not even like, you know, not famous people or amazing people or anything like that, but just people who are so keen and just really lovely and make you remember why you did it in the first place. Because obviously everyone encounters ugly customers sometimes, but Mm. when you've got a really great, like, you know, young couple who want to try all the food and all the wine or, or like just anyone really but it is the I'd say it's the staff and it's the people who keep you you know because it feels so isolating sometimes because of the hours because of Mm. the you know it's just such a it's a tough industry and so the people you work with I think is really a very large part of it yeah for sure I I totally agree with that I think um when somebody tries something new for the first time and they love it and like the elation on their face is mm. like definitely something that 
I love seeing. I love introducing people to new things, whether that be like food or drink, non-alcoholic stuff. People's brain always goes wild because they are just so used to drinking like Coke or lemonade. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, you can make really delicious things, you know? So, yeah, that's for me, I think, as well. And I also, like, really enjoy seeing staff that you've sort of trained from scratch go from, like, literally not even being able to carry three plates to running a section, Mm. you know? And maybe that took me two years to get them there, but it's, like, a very big sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Like, have hope for the young people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, let's have hope. Um, But also, it's a job that you can travel with because, Caitlin, as I said, I saw that you lived in Edinburgh and you ran a natural wine festival over in Scotland. Oh, I did an event with them. So, um, yeah, I was living there for a year and then obviously had to come home because of COVID like the rest of the world. It shut down everybody's plans. But our friends, Joe and India, they, well, Joe owns a restaurant called Timbiard, which is like a very Mm. prestigious restaurant in the country. And they run Wild Wine Fair, which is like (laughs) Scotland's natural wine fair thing. Um, So we did a fundraiser with them for the bushfires um, at the start of 2020, which was a very big success. Um, And so we actually only sold Australian wine. So did you spend the whole year in Edinburgh working in yeah. restaurants? And- yeah, so I managed a restaurant called Fior and then a like very casual day-night eatery called um, 27 Elliot's, um, working for very little money and six days a week. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the UK. Yeah. <laughs> but like do not regret it at all it was an amazing no, experience you can't um buy experiences like that absolutely so, yeah so have you guys traveled with your in doing work overseas and, and things or not so much going overseas to work or going really anywhere but i've got a lot of opportunities to travel through booze brands oh great uh, i've often like uh hendrix they took me down to dark mofo probably one of the better weekends of in life Tassie. it was incredible to sort of do more of an ambassadorship for their products down there Patron, I travelled domestically quite a bit for that. World class with Diageo, another big, big name, big name competition where they'll get you in and I'll take you out and about. But yeah, there's been like a lot of those over the career. So in um, competition, is this like a, a bartending competition? These are all yeah, yeah. bartending competitions. That's you so know, cool. I never been, knew that. Menu development's that was... really good on the cocktail side of things. I flex that a bit with the non alcos over at Pilot that. You know, it's really, really different in bars, as you would mm. notice. Uh, yeah. Your colleague Liv Kelly working ridiculously hard and really coming up with some yeah. great creativity. It is a completely different world just in terms of, like, sponsorship and mm. brand management. I think, like, I, mean, I don't want to speak for Liv, so she, I work with her, she's the bar manager. There's a, it's a much more brand focused role um in trying to keep i mean obviously like it's part of part of my job with with wine reps for example is you know trying to buy certain things from someone and then you know to keep them happy because you want something from their allocation for example but also like maybe you haven't bought something from such and such for ages or whatever quite hard to juggle all these different (laughs) portfolios but I think with with something like bartending I see a lot more I mean I have There's not I've not been in a bar manager oh. role but I see a lot more like the like just building, yeah the relationship is a huge thing it's, 
And, and it takes up so much time. It's just like, it's the first email you reply to when you wake up over breakfast and it's the last email you reply to well, before you leave yeah. work. Mm, and I think because so many, so many bars will have a contract with one of them, right? I think with, with wine, wine and restaurants, like there's not really that sort of... There are implied things and people that you buy things more from or whatever, but with mm. with most bars, they'll have a contract with someone and there are, there are targets you have to meet outside of your own venue. Mm. And so there are, yeah, all the competitions and the awards and the ceremonies and keeping a name and a profile and social media mm. presence and all those things are so mm. much more um, thought about, I'd say, in the bar scene versus the restaurant scene. Mm. Mm. I think it's so interesting Good. that um, there's so many jobs and to mm. the chain within like hospitality full stop that people just don't know about these mm. sorts yeah. of jobs and that so this is so interesting to hear about all this i don't think i knew about there's so many like travel and these competitions yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. in the bar scene mm. like that's um that's really exciting yeah. like it's it's also it's funny like even though it's the same industry i mean i guess it's why we've never unionized but because it's the same industry between that there's so many different like someone who works in a restaurant versus a cafe versus a bar versus hotel. Like, mm. it's still all hospitality, but they're so wildly yes. different. Mm, yeah. um, and it is, it is quite funny seeing the transition that I'd say most, the trajectory a lot of people take is cafe to restaurant slash wine to bar. Like the wine and the bar sort of like go in opposite directions but I'd say most people start in cafes because you can do that a little bit younger and you don't yes. need like it's less pressure yeah less, and less product knowledge what did I add coffee tastings at 5.45am <laughs> it's brilliant I love it I'm yeah. one of those oh, big yeah I was big into advocate it. for all resources I'd say almost everyone I know started their wine career through coffee first mm. it's a huge thing I guess a lot of the skills are transferable yeah 100%. Like, and learning like how to taste flavor because like when you first start drinking coffee you're like okay this tastes like coffee right? <laughs> yeah. and then you actually have to teach your palate to be able to like taste flavors in it and then when I found I found when I started drinking wine it was actually a lot easier to identify mm. stuff and if I hadn't been drinking coffee especially specialty mm. coffee beforehand I would have been like okay it tastes like wine yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's that vocabulary isn't it around Definitely. the t- taste I think yeah. it's the hardest thing to put what words match the taste that you're having in things sure yeah. and understanding like acids and tannins and like what bitter actually tastes like and what sugar feels like and just stuff like that that you mm. like as a normal consumer in the world you don't really think about and also you, know, you don't yeah. really care right like I, maybe i kid but I, I guess the thing is it's very easy to catch myself sometimes talking about wine and and then i'm like no they don't care about that <laughs> they just yeah. want a nice rosé yeah. you know um mim and caitlin you guys started venus vinifera yeah can mm. you tell us about that well, Caitlin really started it. I'm, I called myself a fairy godmother. I just sort of like hover a bit and just sort of <laughs> see see what's happening. And I, I'm, I try to be around for a lot of the events and all the rest of it. But I don't have an exclusive role, whereas Caitlin is the president. So yeah. So um, I would be as you would say the founder and yeah. director of. Venice Vinifera. It sort of stemmed from um, some like Sydney friends of mine who are soms inviting me to like drink wine and they were trying to build this community. And then last 
summer last no sorry summer before actually now it's so long ago mm. uh in january i asked ben at aubergine if i could use the space for a afternoon and invited mim and holly and probably like 13 other people I yeah, probably 15 huge. of us it was yeah, really was big a really big one really stupidly uh asked everybody to bring their own bottle of wine to this event uh started with holly savoring the top of her spark oh, off the top of the balcony mm. and um when from there, it's very much like a formal education platform now. Those were the very <laughs> <Yeah>. early days. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess now we are really working on providing events that actually provide education to people um, who fall into that bracket of like women, including AFAB, trans experiencing and non-binary. And yeah, like I'm really fortunate to have so many amazing people involved uh, on that board. Um, people like Mim and there's like... Uh, Lucy Pallet jones who's a spirit rep. There's Georgie, who also works at Rockford. Um, our vice director, Flossie, who has, like, a history working in three-hat restaurants. Yeah. Um, and Ash, our secretary, who's just, like, the admin queen, <laughs> who uh, started her life in a uh, real estate admin job. So she's really good at all that stuff. But, yeah, I think it's been, like, in a really exciting year. We've um, accomplished a lot. There's been, like, a really massive trajectory and memberships and like what we can provide so um, I'm looking forward to seeing it grow over the next few years and hopefully having more people involved so I can do less. (laughs) (laughs) I know the events I've been to have been great so yeah it's been excellent Um, and I also saw that you you touched on non-alcoholic drinks before Mm. and making them at Aubergine Mm. and you have an Instagram account on non-alcoholic. So um, I got into that actually when I was working at Pilot mm. in the early days. I was doing the wine program and the non-alcs and I didn't even know that I liked non-alcs until I actually started having to do a pairing with them. <laughs> I don't have a like mixology or bartending background in any way. So for me, it was more just understanding flavor and understanding how flavors go together. Um, that progressed into lockdown wanting to like sell some non-alc drinks and stuff which I did but um, my life has gotten pretty chaotic <laughs> um, and I had to put something on the back burner and it just ended up being that um, also at Aubergine like Lucas was doing the non-alcoholic stuff because uh, in like that sort of GM role I had a lot of admin that took away from me being able to have really hands-on in the drink stuff so yeah no, well, I saw the recipes on because my rhubarb's going nuts. So oh, I'm going to make nice. a rhubarb. <laughs> it's my dream for it to take off and hopefully one day I'll have time to, but for now. So what is the hardest parts about your job? I mean, rude mm. customers, I'm thinking, is... Oh, I challenging. Actually, yeah. That was really Just tough for me. See, oh, really? I've yeah. always had a lot of support around when rude customers... Mm. Would come up. There was always someone who was quite good at addressing that. And that and might they be would, you now. Like, yeah, and that, that is me now. So I'm like quite vigilant on it. I'm always sort of watching different interactions and stuff like that. And if I say something, I'll be like, don't ever speak to them again. I'll go and just take care of their table for the rest of the evening. Mm. But yeah, things like that. That yeah, it, that makes brood customers so much easier to handle because you just yeah. kind of handball them to someone who's going to yeah. be able to address them. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we do that. To have a pretty blanket, like, if you're uncomfortable at all, just path it. We have four different, four managers, and then there are other staff as well who are more than competent. Like, if it's not a situation where we have to, you know, escort someone from the venue, if they're just being rude and you're not having a good time serving them, then there are, like, eight other people who are happy to just take the table for you. Mm. But I... 
part of me wants to say, yeah, rude customers are the hard part, but I, I don't think, rude, I think yeah. they're, I think it's more just the, they make the hard parts harder. Yeah, they're right. not the hardest part. Oh, that's good. That hopefully means. there's not that many rude people. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Aubergine was like ripe for it. It yeah. is definitely, I've managed like five different venues now. That was the worst for people. Do you think that the more hats or prestige that mm, a restaurant has, then people, I mean, their expectations are higher, I suppose, yeah. or? 100%. It's like they expect the absolute world and they have an image in their head of what it's going to be like and what they want. And if you fall short on that in any way, it's immediately your fault and they yeah. will give you strife for it. Um, I unfortunately didn't have the ability to pass it on to anybody else because yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, my team was quite young and it like it's not fair to say to a 19 year old can you please go <laughs> deal with this um and i i think i'm very good at it now after two and a half years of some shockers um i only had to kick two tables out of aubergine in the two and a half years which wow. is pretty good Mm, that's um, pretty good. Which is also, I think, a number that surprises people a lot in a two-hat restaurant to have to remove people. But yes, yeah. happened. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, other than that, I think the hardest part, and I'm sure you guys probably agree, is like work-life balance and yeah. fitting in the stuff that you actually like to do, eating well, exercising. So I was going to say, yeah. is taking care of yourself For in sure. that space is it's so easy to fall into eating not very well because you yeah. know when you go on break there's only open and so you have to get some chips if you <laughs> if you don't have like if you're not working in a menu that has staff meals yeah. like we do which is yeah. great yeah but i know a lot of people don't they you know they don't have a kitchen for example the chefs yeah. have already gone home or whatever and so it's really easy to fall into the trap of eating badly drinking too much yeah getting terrible sleep and unless you really really make that a priority you're gonna have a horrible time yeah 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 I think that's like a really recurrent theme for a lot of people in the industry is trying to figure that out and I think when you're younger you're like yeah I can drink all the time and yeah. it's sick and then you yeah. like get closer to 30 and you're like oh god <laughs> I need to cut yeah. this out <laughs> um, but I think also working in venues that the owners also value that Mm. Um, makes it actually yeah. easier to be able to have that as part of your life. Like we all work four day weeks, yeah, and so you do have three, well, mostly four yeah. day weeks, but you do we have try. We yeah, endeavor, we try. yeah, we yeah. endeavor to work four day working weeks, yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes a huge difference, yeah. I think then that's this, yeah, the sleep is hard. Like if I finish work at let's say one a.m. and I'll be back at work the next day at maybe. 12 yeah. which is fine that's a mm. decent amount of sleep in between but I don't think people realize that you the hours you're working you don't you don't end up with the sort of like before work and after work that yeah. most people working nine to five do because yes. your, your days are longer and you can't do any like life admin things in, in between that like I can't go home and do my washing because it's 2am and I'm gonna wake up my neighbors because I live in an yeah. apartment block or I can't you know I don't have time really to make my lunch before work because I've been asleep for, you know it's, it's just, just like up. yeah and at the end you can't just go to sleep as soon as you get home no right? you sort of no, decompressive don't yeah 100 percent and it's something that a lot of people really struggle with is trying to find that yeah find that balance of of 
work and life and then inevitably on almost every weekend there's like an event and things to do and people to see and blah 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 and it's very easy like it's sort of like being on a hamster and a being like a hamster on a wheel yeah. and it just like you gain momentum and more and more and more and at some point like it does feel very like you can't get off yeah. <laughs> like it just keeps going yeah like um, never leave work yeah it's just, just like, like oh, the so industry Event and I'm gonna go yeah. speak to this person about this one, and I'm gonna go do this, and yeah. I'm gonna fit it all out over the weekend. And I was like, oh wait, you know, I'm back at work. Did I want to go to my first <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and not think about work for two seconds? Yeah, bartending was always pretty bad for that. Yeah, it's always mm. trade. The trade is on. Mm. Oh, everywhere. Restaurants is a lot kinder, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the events I go to are your events, and they're heaps of fun. And I get to see everyone in yeah. one go, and I'm like, oh, sweet. There's always some nibblies around. That's the other thing. Bartenders, they don't get fed. Oh. Yeah. You put yeah. a minor bet on, you get yeah. fed at them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. How long were you working in the industry before you went, yep, this is where I'm going to make a career? Not very long, actually. I think for me, when I, I made that decision when I was working in cafes still, and I used to go to 86, and Dash was managing. 86 and she was like this mega powerhouse boss woman who had made this industry her career and then I was like I'm gonna do that and yeah that was pretty much it for me I would have been like 21 or 22 when I made that call dropped out of uni my parents hated me for that but now they're like it's okay you're actually pretty good at what you do so it's fine (laughs) and yeah I I don't know when I I don't think I made a conscious decision at any point I know that my dad worked for so long because he worked in the industry for something like 40, 50 years. And he was like, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, <laughs> just don't trust me. <laughs> and I think it's only now that I'm like, oh, I see why he said don't do it. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't, may, I didn't sit down one day and sort of go, I'm going to do that. It wasn't like when I you know, applied to uni and I was like, well, I'm going to do this because... That's what my career is going to be. It felt very different. It felt much more organic. I'm still technically enrolled in a degree. I'm just deferred. Tiny. Yeah. Mm. I, like, I don't think I'm going to go back to it, but I don't... Oh, you never I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to, like, close any of those doors completely. But I also, at the same time, I'm not someone who enjoys having one finger in many pies like I just I want to put all my emphasis on one thing that I'm doing and I and I really struggle when I'm even if it's the same amount of hours or the same amount of workload but if it's across multiple things I feel like I'm flailing a bit and so I really enjoy putting all of my work in at Rufford and then if I decide at some point I want to go back to uni sure but I don't think I could do hospitality full-time but at the moment I enjoy it yeah and I but I I really enjoy it and I can definitely see a career trajectory for myself and I'm happy to just ride that wave so yeah great what were you what what are you enrolled in um political science yeah very different yeah Yeah. (laughs) I'm just I'm really happy with my what I'm doing at work at the moment and I don't have any plans to to change it anytime soon, I guess is sort of That's um, where a very I got nice to. place to be, like to mm. be happy in what you're doing right now, because I think a lot of people are always searching for something mm, different. I agree. So good 
Good on you. That's Thank great. you. <laughs> Took a while to get there, to be fair. <laughs> and Holly, because you came from the bartending and now you're in the restaurant, are you happy yeah. with that change and you can see yourself in the restaurant scene? Or, oh, yeah, I or really the wine see myself scene, the in the wine scene, the restaurant scene. But um, I think it was very much the same. I was like at uni, sort of finished up BSc and then thought, there's no way I'm going to continue on doing my honours. Like, mm. this is shit. But the... The thing is, like, like, I'm originally from a small town outside Darwin called Palmerston. Oh, wow. There's about 14,000 people who live there. And all you basically go to high school for is to go to university in a different state and uh, get the hell out, right? Mm. So I didn't care about my degree in the slightest. It was just something I had to do. A way to, to get away. where you were. Yeah. What I love, though, about bartending is that I was always super competitive. And I was more interested in winning and you know, being more popular by and making the better drinks and all of that more than I was really caring about my career in it. Like, it was just mm. win, win, win. And restaurants aren't too dissimilar. We're a lot better at hiding it, I think. Mm. But, yeah, but I still have that. I feel like, oh, no, I'm not a career person. I'm a competitive person. <laughs> yeah. But it's like good restaurants, best restaurants, that's it. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? If people do want to be involved in the industry, is to go out and and I think get a real feel for what what parts of it they enjoy. So mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to look at it like it's very shiny and it's like it's cool and you get to you know drink wine or or whatever. But I think yeah, just going out and just sitting down in restaurants, sitting down in bars, and just thinking about like what things you enjoy as a customer and like what things if you want to experience that um on the working side okay well what style of venue would I rather work in and just Mm. yeah and I think because that's it takes a while I think when you're in the industry to sort of work out what kind of venue you want to work in because they're obviously they're all so different and you know you might be someone who's like myself who thrives a bit more on like the bit more chaotic style of service. <laughs> is the... I am the polar opposite. Yeah. 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 And so you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a hard time in... If you are wanting to get into the industry, like, definitely don't be afraid to just, like, put yourself out there and ask for a trial or ask for a job. Like, mm. I think a lot of, especially the places where you work in, rely less on resumes, but, like, if you you know, have the balls to walk into a venue and be like, hey, I really like it here. I'd like love to give it a go. They're probably going to look at you and be like, yeah, cool. All right, yeah. like, let's give it a shot. Absolutely. Kind of and or the worst they can say is no, right? And that's okay. Like, we've all heard no before. And then you just pick yourself up and try something else. Yeah, there's lots of venues around Canada. Exactly. One of our waiters was, was a somewhat regular customer at Rockford for a mm. long time and was like bordering on harassing Liv and I for a job but to the point where we just went okay all right we'll give you a trial and now he works there so it's yeah it is really about making yourself visible and because and just make yourself seem like you're going to be a good fit for the Mm. you know for the place that you're in and and ask the people who work their questions and Mm. and ask people around you questions and just stuff like that just being being really keen and excited I think are really all you need oh that's great and I think what you've opened my eyes to is how many different roles there are and also about the different styles and things which I mean there's a job out there for anyone so basically (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for your time we appreciate it thank you
For everything discussed today, please check the show notes or head over to windalust.com.au. And also a big thank you to the ACT Government Office for Women for supporting this series. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to windelust.com.au. That's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T dot com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels.